Sylvester, you're looking out into this expanse of ground shattered, floating in what appears to be kind of a void. You've never really been too sure about what never, never geography and topology looks like, but uh, apparently this section didn't have a lot going on underneath it and was just kind of floating in outer space. At least that's how it appears uh, with, you know, how broken up and damaged and rent apart stuff is around here. You and Warden's Beaumont and Chaplin have just gotten out of the way of something else where you saw that look into back into reality, our own reality, and it just sort of rapidly moved across the landscape and seemed to leave that kind of fissure in its wake. So no idea yet exactly what's going on there. But as you moved away from that, because it was sort of an active apparent threat, you ended up at this precipice and uh, you're, you're looking out and you can see uh, remnants of structures and plant life and evidence of other kinds of, of life maybe bipedal, maybe quadrupedal. You, they're not quite close enough yet for you to be sure, but you re definitely recognize that things are moving toward you. The wardens just kind of look around and look at you both. They're kind of trying to get their bearings on this situation just as much as you are, because this is unprecedented even for them, which is something you've been able to observe in their reactions uh, to everything that's been going on. So it feels like maybe you're all almost equally lost, which is a unique thing for you, Sly, to be on about level footing in terms of what the fuck is going on with the full-fledged wizards. So Beaumont kind of looks at the both of you, Roe and Sly, and says, it looks like we've got a company coming our way. I don't know what that means. Ro, uh, I might need your help. I don't know, because you're more connected to this place maybe than I am. Uh, I, I have a lot of knowledge. I've studied a lot of things, but you still have an intrinsic connection to here that if we, if we might need. We might need to make use of that somehow. Okay, fine. Let me know what I need to do. Uh, yeah, once I figure it out, sure. And uh, hey, uh, Sly? Yeah. Stick close to Chaplin here. Uh, make sure, make sure nothing bad happens happens to them. Okay. All right. I think I can trust you with that directive. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just uh, let's let's not take an aggressive posture. Let's just sort of let them come our way and sort of gauge out, feel out what's going on here. Right. All right. Uh, everybody can make me an alertness roll, and your target is going to be a three to try and make out some information about uh, what is heading toward you. How does my four fare? It's more than a three, so good job. I got a two, so yeah, good for good job, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Maybe it's that row has some sort of connection to the never-never just innately 
that is allowing her to be a little more almost, I wouldn't say comfortable here, but able to parse what's going on around her. There's a funny thing. Uh, the Lord of the Rings show that's on TV, I get to hear from my dad stuff about like, ah, oh, the elves should be seven feet tall and this and that thing. Like, you know, that the way they're described in Tolkien and, uh, it's like, yeah, well, we don't have a lot of seven-foot-tall actors. Uh, Give them elevator boots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, these people coming your way clearly don't need elevator boots, but they seem to be fitting that description of having uh, pointy ears and just sort of lithe and graceful in their in their motions they are as they are bounding across this shattered landscape. There are like trees and stuff that have been sort of torn apart or are occasionally just like there's a tree with its root system still attached to the clumps of dirt that it had just sort of floating there in the middle of nothing uh, between the more almost stable chunks of, of ground. But yeah, they are seven foot tall. They look like they are just dangerous innately. If you have a sensation that maybe you know what these things are, why don't you roll for me a quick lore roll? I'm going to go with a target, too. Well, that's a two, so we're in luck. Yeah, if you had to guess, you would say that these are definitely elves of some stripe. So you've got some of that folk heading your way. Ro, how do you feel about the fact that you've apparently got elves? <laughs> you've got elves. <laughs> You've got elves. Um, uh, so with the way you described them, would you say they are sexy elves? Okay. <laughs> um, they're... Ro is intimidated uh, no matter what. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay. So I would say that they have a preternatural beauty about them. That sort of thing that's like, it's like you're looking at a human, but just something even more like sharply in focus than uh your standard person uh it, it's it's a similar sensation to how you might describe your mother uh as like having defined attributes of that human beauty just cranked up past 10 on the slider mm -hmm. to a point where it's just like there's no way that this is a real person because they're not human you could just say that they could get it that's all we needed <laughs> i mean yeah they can get it <laughs> but yeah ro is intimidated okay cool these elves elves that can get it are <laughs> can get it. approaching <laughs> it's a good magazine yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh they they seem to be heading your way and uh you've made your alertness roll it definitely seems that they're armed which may not be a surprise so how is Ro physically reacting to her situation right now? Um, immediately tense, prepared to make a deep and welcoming bow, even though she is not welcoming them anywhere because this is their home. But I'm going to definitely alert the others. Okay. You would say you're, you're very tense uh, and perhaps kind of, tightly wound at the moment like ready to ready to mm -hmm. act in one way or another yeah and uh sly i would like to know about your body language in this 
very peculiar situation you find yourself in. Uh, I don't know. Maintaining a somewhat neutral sort of stance, as neutral as possible, because I was told to be neutral-esque in that regard. So, yeah? That's fair. You're a fairly disciplined guy with regard to, you know, how you hold yourself. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I'm going to say, can I have the both of you make me a quick discipline roll? This is going to be about some social stuff about like how how their, their first impressions of you to sort of maintain that about yourself um, at distance. So for Sly, it's a one. And for Row, since you're a little more high strung at this moment, it's a three. Roll them discipline rolls, please. Okie dokie. Cool. So um, I do not make a good impression with the four minuses that I rolled. I make a great impression. I rolled a five. (laughs) (laughs) We are very different people. So the one person in this group who has no magic whatsoever has only been thrust into this world properly relatively recently is now standing in completely alien territory with fucking Tolkien elves running his way. It's just standing there cool as a cucumber, like, oh yeah, hey guys, what's up? And meanwhile, the half-fey lady <laughs> is over there, fight or flight written all over her. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. Uh, juxtaposition. It's beautiful. Okay, um... You see some folks, uh, some of these fair folk bound up to a nearby sort of uh, chunk of ground. Again, that sort of like seemingly infinitely depth fissure between you. Uh, The span of it is not that wide. You get the impression they could be over here with you if they really wanted to. It might only take them a single bound, but they are not moving to be physically adjacent to you yet. A lot of them are looking at Roe. They're like Norwegian pale, but even more so. Again, the sort of accenting the inhuman features of of these apparently elves. And uh, they're taking an assessment of the four of you. And Sly... They just kind of acknowledge that you're there and then quickly move on because, again, you're somehow the most comfortable one in this situation. Yep. They have bows. Uh, They don't have arrows knocked currently in those bows, but they've got bows in a position where if they needed to, they could get some shots off pretty damn quick. Yeah, it looks like they are packing. And in this case, the heat they're packing is arrows. If you take some time to take stock of the the weaponry that they have it looks very nicely crafted uh definitely like these are bespoke instruments you have a good indication that you don't want to get on these guys bad sides because you don't feel like being a pincushion especially you today ro uh because Mm -hmm. like half a dozen are kind of more or less on your side of things with you and beaumont their attention is definitely they're more interested in you at the moment because a couple of reasons. And one of them who seems to be, I guess you would say he's probably in charge, sort of addresses the four of you and says, Hail strange travelers. What brings you into Elfheim? 
or at least what used to be a bit of Alfheim. Uh, hello. Hail. Uh, we are a little bit lost, and we're just trying to find our way back. Is that what we were doing? I completely forgot what we were doing. <laughs> Beaumont just kind of looks across at you and says, y- yes, actually, that is precisely what happened. Uh, right. Excellent. Sorry. Um, we got lost, and we're just trying to find our way back now. Um, you said this used to be Elfheim? Well, this this particular bit of Elfheim here seems to have, well, just look at it. Oh. We know not the catastrophe that has befallen our, our realm, but at least this portion of it, well, there were strange happenings where it seems as though the worlds were going to collide with each other in localized chaos and confusion, and then these gigantic fissures just occurred and separated bits of bits of us bits of our home we know not where we are now really for we seem to be in unfamiliar territory Mm. we would accuse you of trespassing but the irony of this would not be lost (laughs) i suppose not (laughs) Mm. sorry (laughs) no it is it is fine we are all Perhaps equally strangers in this strange land. Yeah, no, it's a good point. However, he turns and looks at Ro. You seem to be... You seem as though you are less out of place. Um, kind kind of, yeah. Um, I have some heritage around here. Changeling. Uh, is this, is this said in a way that is like derogatory can Ro pick up You're gonna on? have to try to read that tone with an empathy. Oh no. Roll a three. Against the three. Okay. That that didn't. It's a two. Okay. You can't read the tone with which he said this, uh, but it didn't sound good. Okay. Uh, Ro you just... You don't know why. Very slowly and very tiny nod. He kind of looks to the elves on his left, the elves on his right. And uh, you see some of the ones on, on his left, because they're kind of closer to where you are. They start getting uh, their hands start tightening like their grips on on their their bows or like the the, the weapons that maybe are at their hips. Um, you, you see that at least one of them has something more akin to a rapier and somebody else has uh one of the other elves has some daggers that their hands are just kind of on the hilt of at the moment the lead elf just kind of looks at you and just says you are a child of this world and that one and we understand that at least a component of this cataclysm here is something to do with the two worlds coming into contact with each other would you agree with that assessment i I would like to point out that I'm not responsible for whatever is happening, um, but Beaumont uh, sort of steps in and just uh, and is trying to help you here uh, because he he can clearly see how nervous <laughs> you are and how uncomfortable you are. He says this has nothing to do with our friend here, the changeling. This cannot be anything that she has caused. 
and uh, the lead guy from Elfheim just sort of looks at you and says, you are so quick to deny and so quick to rush to judgment about fault. Interesting. There is a serious tension just kind of hanging there. And uh, Warden Chaplin just looks around and uh, says, um, it, uh, if, if I may uh, address the, the group here, uh, hello. The elves just kind of whoosh, whip their heads and just sort of look at this individual who hasn't spoken yet. You can tell that their attention is effectively split between the the different people here, but the primary attention is now focused there, and their uh, lead elf just looks like, yes, uh, I'm afraid we don't, uh, we have not been properly introduced to you. Who are you and what do you have to say? Uh, I'm um, Warden Chaplain of the White Council of Wizards, and uh, if I may, uh, I do have a little bit of expertise in some matters uh, pertaining to the Never Never, and I will have to support their assessment that this level of cataclysm could not have been caused by a single changeling and their connection, their sort of tether between the two realms. I mean, that just wouldn't make sense. She, she hasn't even made the choice yet of, of the two, right? Um, yep. Nope. In, just indecisive over here. There's just another long beat uh, as everybody's just kind of sizing each other up. And then you notice that the attention of the elves is drawn to a point behind you. And if you turn to follow their gaze to see the familiar figure of the librarian walking toward you. Oh, can, can I do a, a deep and gracious bow? You, you can start doing that. The librarian is going to immediately start waving their hand and say, Rosetta Common, that is not necessary. Even before you fully commit to the motion, <laughs> they're already <laughs> telling you that you don't have to. We're friends. Um... Okay, Ro does like a, a half bow then. The librarian just sighs. <laughs> and uh, Chaplin kind of shuffles over toward you, trying to make not, you know, not make any sudden movements to alarm anyone. And they're just like, do you, do you know this thing, this creature? Uh, um... Oh, oh yeah, it's the librarian. <laughs> the, the, they have this look of like, what? <laughs> just kind of like, I, eyes wider, kind of shock, uh, a little bit of shock of just like you instantly recognize this, like yeah, it's a librarian. What's a librarian? Uh, they take care of books. Okay, I did get warned that you were a bit of a smartass, but uh, the librarian interrupts this and, and just says, I am a keeper of knowledge. Addressing Warden Chaplin pretty clearly when they when they say this. Uh, just, I am the accumulated collection of knowledge, and I am the keeper of it, and I am the archivist of that some knowledge. Now, the leader of Elfheim over there looks and says, What you are is a peddler of secrets. I can be those things as well as be one who trades in information. And knowledge. Yes, we have long respected you, librarian. 
and benefited mutually from your services. But with your incredible knowledge, even you could not have predicted this catastrophe, right? The librarian just looks and says, I did, actually. That is why I am here now. The wardens immediately get much tenser because uh, they can read something about the situation. I would like you both to just make me a quick um, either empathy or alertness, whichever one is higher for you. And your target is a two. I am on it. I got a six. Three. Okay. Yeah, Sly. Yeah. The the elves are taking a posture that insinuates uh, some things. Uh, you recognize that as somebody who does martial arts. You know what it's like when you are getting into a position readying your body for a strike or to be struck. Ro. Mm-hmm. You feel this radiating off of them. You're not sure if it's to do with your implicit connection to some things here, or if you if it's to do with your upbringing where you've seen shit go south in negotiations when somebody basically reveals that they had information. You don't know. I don't know how much of that mob shit you were allowed to see, but this is clearly a moment where the librarian has knowingly said what you would consider the wrong thing to say. Oh. The fake can't lie. And the librarian was just put on the spot with that knowledge and admitted to something. You can feel the reaction from them. It's that the librarian basically just admitted to something real bad. And they express as such... You knew the devastation that was coming to Elfheim, and you did nothing. You didn't ask, says the librarian in response. The elves are now armed, and uh, very much a fight is about to break out, it seems. You guys can operate off of your previous sort of alertnesses and uh, reads of the situation that... It's pretty clear that weapons have been drawn not just on the librarian, but on you. It it looks okay. like uh, they're about to get real indiscriminate with who they are picking apart here. Oh boy, first goblins, then elves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never beaten the shit out of an elf before. <laughs> mm. So the librarian just sort of stands unperturbed as always. And the the elves have been regarding this situation with some some suspicion, and that's just basically turned into outright hostility at this point. And because uh, they recognize that you seem to know this thing already, they assume an association between you and uh, it seems like you are all about to be punished for the librarian's misdeeds as uh, the, the leader of the elves is just like, we have always been on good terms with you, librarian. And yet when you know devastation comes to our lands, you say nothing and allow us to suffer. Yes, I know of many catastrophes during, before and after they happen. Am I expected to intervene on behalf of all things. Enough with your false rhetoric. 
We know you cannot lie, but you can still spin falsehoods. You can philosophize all you want, but at the end of the day, you have doomed us to death. And the librarian just shakes, shakes their head mournfully and says, I have only in so far as you just have. And the arrow's loose. So I'm going to need initiatives from everybody. What your alertnesses are. Two. Three. Okay. I'm going to have uh, Sly. You need to make me an athletics versus... Or, yeah, I think this is an athletics in this case. Actually, you can justify using fists against this as a defense, can't you? Yes, I can. Okay, because it's an arrow coming your way. So, yeah. um, let's, let's roll. Okay, not great. And when I say not great, I mean only a five. Six. Yeah, you were ready for shit to go down. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, next to you, you see Chaplin is bringing up a just a wall of force in front of them to block the uh, incoming projectiles and uh meanwhile ro what mm -hmm. is your athletics versus a six right ro <laughs> negative two baby no oh oh boy <laughs> you can spend a fate point to re-roll that just saying no no that's okay i only have so many <laughs> Okay, so fortunately for you, Beaumont has good reflexes and he's got some block abilities that he he can just do. So on that moment when things are popping off, he just immediately instinctively goes to protect the both of you. So he's going to drop a quick spell. Ooh, okay, very good. You get an offset of six here uh, as... He just suddenly pulls up a blast of heat and light uh, that does something to, uh, you know, sort of redirect how things are going, like, you know, change the flow of the air and damage these incoming projectiles, uh, like ruin the fletching on the arrows so that they, you know, don't fly as true through the turbulence of what he's just kicked off. And uh, so now you have two stress incoming to you, uh, Roe. Okay, that hurts my feelings and my body. It doesn't really hurt your body so much. I mean, <laughs> uh, with with the way that this happened, things just sort of got flung about. And uh, instead of taking a really serious hit, instead, uh, like just the shaft of an arrow just sort of like clunks off of you uh, and you don't get struck by the actual arrowhead. So take that two stress hit and uh, Sly, I am going to need you to roll against the, the fellow who has leapt at you with uh, two daggers in hand. So he has leapt across this chasm, which is uh, an inhuman leap that he had to make. But two of them. Oh, yeah, he made that. So let's roll a weapons attack on you. Oh, shit. OK, um, this guy. This guy's actually good. He's got an eight coming your way, friend. Frick. Uh, so that's... give me that fists. Yay. At a five. <laughs> okay. So that would be a three stress hit then that you would take, mm. which you're you have enough. Uh, you, you can take one of those. And I believe you have a stunt for occasions such as this. Yeah, I think I have step into the blow. You sure do. 
which means that uh, I can counterattack immediately with this at plus one. Okay. But it means so, I can't. That sacrifices my next turn, I believe. Correct. So you need to mark three stress, but if you activate step into the blow, I will remind you because you've had time to properly acknowledge like the scene and your geography that uh, this fool just jumped over a chasm with seemingly like no bottom into just empty space. And uh, oh, it's a Mortal Kombat pit. Yeah, basically. And you are alarmingly close to it. And you have a move with a bit of an advantage at the moment. So use that information how you will. Okay, can I do my thing now, or I gotta wait? No, you can absolutely do it right now, because it's in response to taking that three-stress hit. Okay, so I rolled an eight, so it's a plus one, it's a nine. Uh, Is this an attack, a maneuver? What are you gonna do to this uh, Uh, this sucker? I was gonna kick him into the pit. That would be a maneuver, so yeah. Okay. Uh, Defending against a nine to not get kicked into, into the endless abyss. All right. Okay, so um, I will tell you that the elf rolled well. Okay. But an eight does not beat a nine. Yay. So this dude jumped and tried to straight stab you. Uh, You instead move to intercept uh, this elf and uh, basically catch him in a way where his knives aren't going to come down like and sink into you. Uh, His arms just sort of uh since you know he is also taller than you end up kind of landing like on your shoulder blades his forearms do not the knives because you have moved and intercepted so like ugh, you know it's it's it sucks to get all that weight jumped on you and right onto your shoulders like that uh so that's gonna fucker yeah that's that's gonna ache but you have used that your new position of leverage to just basically bull rush this guy off of uh the precipice that you stand at the edge of and into nothingness and uh this elf just kind of falls screaming and flailing into nothingness so ro uh-huh what are you doing god i wish i knew um how how uh, okay panicking that's what i'm doing how many people are like or elves are directly near me? Uh, zero. One of them tried to jump sly, and that did not go well. Okay. Um, you can tell that others are maybe preparing to make that leap over here, just maybe trying to get somebody else. The I, I'm gonna draw my my little gun, my little baby gun, um, and. Point it at whoever looks like they're in charge. Well, it's pretty clear which one of these guys is in charge. It's the one that's been doing all the talking. Yeah, wherever he is, I'm I'm aiming it at him. Okay, so you're just going to try to fire a quick round off with... Uh, yeah, yeah, and like... Our elf leader. The arm or leg, yeah. Oh, uh, we'll find out how, <laughs> how bad that goes uh, when you roll. All right, cool. So I got a, exactly a zero. What does that get me? Well, let's find out. <laughs> uh, that gets you an opportunity to know that you have utterly missed because <laughs> our friend here rolled a seven. Okay. And I don't Great. think you're going to really want to try to beat that with your guns at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just 
just let it, it happen, and I'm living in the moment. Okay. So uh, there is an enormous echo of a gunshot in a space like this with all kinds of alien geometries to bounce off of uh, and reflect back. And uh, yeah, tension's pretty well drawn on you because guns are loud. And uh, this this guy was pretty clearly prepared for violence levied against him. So you, you shouldn't be able to dodge a gunshot, but like he does with an inhuman grace. And uh, it's just it's unfair, man. It's really unfair. So all attention has very well been drawn onto you. And uh, now the librarian just sort of steps forward and there's this moment where everything seems to just kind of shift, change, and slow down. The librarian addresses the the whole of you and says, To me, you are not but the stories of your lives and what is left behind by them. And snaps their fingers and the elves in front of you have all started to just sort of root themselves to the ground spontaneously and uh they undergo a baleful polymorph into trees oh just just there just sort of writhing and twisting and changing from root to tip uh from bottom to top uh, into just these wooden shapes uh, that sort of approximate the uh, rictus shapes that they ended up in while attempting to resist this uh, sudden change thrust upon them. And leaves immediately sprout from the limbs of these, well, formerly limb-having elf people, now, tree limbs uh, that have branches and leaves sprouting uh, from them that have just intricate, unreadable, golden writing all across these leaves. And you remember that the librarian stores books in trees in their library and just sort of reaches in and takes them out and you don't know where they go or where they come from. Oh. But when the librarian says that the sum total of all things to them is just the story they leave behind. That has turned frighteningly literal. Oh, no. Wow, it's got, uh, <laughs> first I thought they were like the watcher, but this is some creep, this is some creep keeper shit. <laughs> this is not very good, booze and ghouls. Yeah. Do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. I am horrified. Yeah, that's like that dude in Fallout 3 who got like, the nuke basically fused him to a tree. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. The librarian uh, just sort of looks, and I assume that you're all basically aghast at uh -huh. what has just happened. No, so I was um, like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, the librarian quickly shifts their attention away from Sly uh, yeah. and just kind of looks at everyone else uh, and the slack jaws that have greeted this uh, thing that has just happened. And... The librarian addresses the group and just shakes their head sadly and says, I wish that it was another way, but unfortunately, 
they left me little choice. Every story ends one day, and if what they can leave behind is something that adds beauty to the world, they can't ask for much more. And there is a stark, unnatural beauty to these, these trees that just are there. I mean, everything around you is fairly dead. Uh, it seems like it will basically be kind of dead around here pretty much forever. But in the middle of that, you have this this life that's taken root and it's just sort of a shimmering piece of, well, it would be comfort, but it's certainly not for you in an otherwise barren and empty, broken landscape something sticks out as a point of color and light and uh the librarian just says it is a reflection of who they were and their nature after all so what you're telling me is the guy I threw off the cliff got lucky the librarian says it looks at you and uh just says all that i will agree with sylvester cooper smith am fucking a d <laughs> we've been over this you could just call me sly is that you have, perhaps, what I might consider an unusual definition of the word luck. Yeah, you're not wrong. Now, if you will allow me, I would like to return you to where you ought to be. Okay, thanks. Y yes, yes, please. I do not wish to alarm you, but you shall be returned not only where you need to be, but also when you need to be there. Where we are is, it has been fragmented. Time is not passing in this zone the way that you might expect. And before either of the wardens object, no magical laws being violated by my actions, not that you could prosecute me for the violation anyway, they both just kind of look at the librarian and get a strong sense that that uh, that statement is not a threat, just kind of a statement of fact that uh, they would they basically be killing themselves by uh, any attempt at this point. Uh, they just saw that display of nearly effortless power, so they're not gonna they're not gonna quibble. And uh, the librarian indicates the space uh, of all of this emptiness and just says, you do not see time as I perceive time. Unfortunately for you, or perhaps given your odd definition of luck, you might be the lucky ones to see cause and effect as linear. I perceive all events as particulate matter caught in a cloud, seemingly drifting into each other merely through errant gusts and brownian motion, caught in an ever-changing miasma of... Well, the metaphor breaks down, unfortunately. I have no real equivalent to water vapor to explain what these events sort of persist in, but at the very least, I believe it illustrates some of the point. That is very broken here. The destruction that's been caused by these ripples sent from your world, not unlike what nearly took Albion from you, has run amok through 
the cloud of time is quite distorted here. But if you will take my hand, together we shall leap into the abyss and return where you are needed at the correct time. Okay. And the librarian extends four hands, <laughs> which they did not previously have, of course, <laughs> to the four of you. Yeah, Ro, Ro is down. She steps forward and she, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I'm good. All right. The wardens have a moment of hesitation and they kind of look at each other and have a bit of unspoken communication and realize they don't really have a choice but to trust this thing right here. And so everyone takes the librarian's hand and... The librarian then takes a step over the edge of this precipice, and as they do, it's not so much that you have fallen anywhere, but that the landscape has just merely shifted away from your feet beneath you, and you seem to be walking, floating, falling, who's to say, in an indiscernible space for an indiscernible amount of time. So quick question, did I hear what Mr. Jack just said to Desdemona? Um, you know what? I don't think you did. All right, but did I see Mr. Jack eat him? Oh, you sure did. You <laughs> you you definitely saw the thing that you've seen with the site uh pop out of Des and swallow a death curse that it plucked out of the air and uh then consume a man whole not necessarily just by like taking uh, Shadrach and just like shoving his his him down uh, his gullet. It's worse. It was much much worse. You can't tell exactly where Shadrach has gone, but you just know that uh, it is the result of Mister Jack uh, devouring Shadrach utterly and then uh, um, leaving. Uh, that does a uh, handle the body problem, I guess. Fuck me. Um, Des, what is he saying right now? She has fallen to her knees, and she is breaking down. There are moments where she's shivering and shaking and sobbing, and when she has enough air in her lungs, she's screaming, and then there are other times where she's almost laughing, and there's just all these different kinds of tears and emotions kind of just leaving her like uh, trying to leave her body as fast as possible kind of oh shit as soon as that starts albeit is on the ground holding her and she's actually going to clasp him close and she's just shaking and she can't really get much out for a moment um <laughs> and uh i think at one point she is going to just kind of choke out the words gone he's gone it's gone well uh I suppose that's, um, good news and bad news. But, um, I need to be sure. Uh, hold on. Des, I'm gonna 
I'm gonna look at you. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, okay. And Albion is going to gently sort of take Dez by the shoulders and hold her out at arm's length while still just kind of being on the ground with her. He's not going to push her back so much as he's going to shuffle back. And then he's going to open the sight to look at Dez. Okay. Because the only time he's looked at Dez, the only time he looked at Dez with the sight intentionally, was under that bridge, dealing with that troll, when he first saw Mr. Jack and when he first broke his own mind. Mm-hmm. Yay, she's not been seen with the sight yet. So there's a moment where he hesitates, but he's lived with the vision of Mr. Jack in his head long enough. He's prepared for whatever he's going to see now, and he opens the sight. Okay. Um, first thing that we're going to do is we are going to roll your uh, discipline roll versus the intensity of what you're seeing. And then... Uh, that's going to follow up with the lore roll once I give you a basic description. And if you succeed in that lore roll, I will go deeper in. So your intensity target here, I'm going to say is a five. Plus three discipline. Don't fail me now. You did not fail me now. That's a six. Okay. You do not take any mental damage, which means that you are able to close the site on this the end of this round or subsequent rounds. So you you look at Dez and the first thing you notice is something that you don't, which is Mr. Jack is not there. Just he's just not there. You've you've seen this motherfucker in the site before and you had when you opened the site, you had that hesitation, that fear that you would see that horrid form that you've beaten into your own mind until you were at least somewhat okay. It's just not there. Behind Dez, however, are a lot of other faces. Many, many faces of people in all sorts of states of dress, uh, all varying manners of dress as well uh, and different states of like dishevelment or being well put together or just a variety it's it's just a real mixture of you know a real slice of the kinds of people who might have inhabited Burlington uh, over the past couple hundred years um, and they are all just sort of staring at Desdemona from a distance behind her just sort of huddled there with these sort of tendrils leading from their mouths to Des's ears and as your attention focuses more towards Des uh, you see that she has these bright glowing spots on her one which is uh, above her nose uh, above the the level of her eyes and uh, she has these bright points uh, on her hands and the bright spot on her forehead seems to be looking right back at you um the ring on her hand uh, is it, it takes on a, a shape that is 
more than the earthly ring that you can physically see. Uh, you you can see the power in it. Um, the the necklace pendant that she has uh, is also glowing with something there uh, that you you are you're not sure what it is yet until you make your roll to try to discern. Um, but uh, make that roll now. Uh, lore roll of five. One important question. Do I see her mom in those figures behind her? You will only know that if you roll well on your lore. Okay, and what's my target? Five? Yes. Another three pluses, I just hit five. Okay, very good. Yes. The the background of the this sort of ghastly auditorium of uh, stunned stunned ghosts that have just witnessed something so remarkable, so unbelievable, so beyond what they could have understood in their mortal lives, even if it's just these constructs of memory floating there. This is this is so out of their league, and they're looking at Des. They're lying to the real world. They're lying to reality. This person that they seem to be attached to whether they understand it or not and they've they're just sort of in awe uh, of, of her there in the room and that she has not joined them and the closest two that have sort of moved to be near to her um and can't really make themselves known in this moment, but it looks like uh, her grandmother and her mother are just sort of floating off uh, either side of Desdemona, uh, flanking her um, with that sort of protective instinct that comes with being a mother. The necklace pendant uh, that she has, you understand that its glow comes from Dez's belief in its protection. It's it's linked to these these figures that now have moved to sort of take positions alongside her. Um, and uh, the last thing that you notice uh, is that there is, um, while Mister Jack is gone, there seems to be something. Rem some remnant of what Mr. Jack was, what he looked like uh, in uh, there in uh, just just on Desdemona's left collarbone. Um, and that's not something that you're really sure about at the moment, but you know that there is some mark there uh, that extends beyond the physical and um, yeah, you've you have now seen Des just surrounded by surrounded by uh, the the you know the, all this spectral audience with her family, uh, her mother and her grandmother behind her, and uh, just just glowing in this space with those those points, her hands, her ring. Her, her necklace pendant, her third eye, 
and you know that she is never truly alone. You have you've never known anything more. You've always known that the spirits were always there and that there was there was never quiet for Dez. But the true degree to which she is never alone has never been more apparent to you. It is it is a fear-inducing sight. The number of spirits in this space with you. It would be enough to make most people immediately turn and run. But you've powered through this, and you know better. Do you close the site? Is it possible I can make eye contact with Dez's parents? You can keep the site open for another round, and you'll have to make another discipline roll. You will be able to close it, but you might take damage. Um, yeah, I'm going to try for that real quick. Okay. Uh, discipline is going to be, this time is going to be a six. Okay. I, um, I got a five, so that's not going to quite do it. Well, that's on the, that's for the discipline, which means you take one damage. Yeah. You take one mental stress. Mm-hmm. Um, make me the lore roll versus a six, because something there is something more intense about uh what you're seeing here than even that sort of like wall of ghosts all right uh give me four pluses i know this roll is definitely going to be four pluses call on my shot just like alley on dimension 20 four pluses okay 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 you come <laughs> on to my show and invoke alley beardsley <laughs> against me how <laughs> dare you <laughs> actually mike can you ever veto a roll i'm not going <laughs> to answer that question and instead i'm going to give albion <laughs> what he earned from this roll you look at mama rose and des's dear departed granny And you make eye contact with the both of them. And you know, in that moment, for sure, these are not the souls of those two people. Those souls are elsewhere. They're somewhere else. These are constructs that are this energy left behind by the memories of these people. Something has coagulated into these forms from that memory and that familiarity and they're not even aware of that but the love and protection that they feel for their daughter is just as real as if it were the very souls of those that came before her it is as real no matter how how unreal these things are no matter what they may be in that moment in every way that matters they are who they are and you close the site i assume yep as you hear a noise both of you uh is you can tell that it's coming from the uh, even though your hearing is still a little muffled from uh a gunshot uh you you understand enough about this space now to know that it's coming from the way that one would get down here through like the secret uh, entrance, the sort of trapdoor 
So you know that noise is coming from that uh, that end of the room. Uh, there are tears rolling down Albion's cheeks right now. And he just pulls Des back into a hug. She she hugs back. I never realized how bad it was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's gone. Yes. I should have known how much you carry with you, Des. I, I never realized. And I feel fucking stupid for not. Oh, it's, it's okay. It's, it's normal to me. Fair, but, um, listen, uh, something's coming, so we might want to prepare ourselves, but, uh, are, are you okay? She kind of, like, wipes her nose and stands up and kind of gets into, like, a tough guy fighting position. <laughs> Guess I have to be. Hello, everybody. This is Michael, your GM and best friend, and no funny third thing this week, uh, because I'm trying to keep this one short and tight, because this is a long episode, as I'm sure you've noticed, and we kept you waiting on this one for uh, quite a while. Uh, panoply of things, such as our editor having wisdom tooth surgery, um, and also Thanksgiving, and uh, the fact that this episode, the second half of it, gets uh, kind of dark and violent. Um, and we didn't really feel that it was as appropriate to release that uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Um, and hey, hope you're enjoying it so far. Uh, and stick tight uh, and make sure you've checked the content warning on this one, because that is uh, coming into play soon. Uh, so just letting you know. Uh, if you don't feel up to uh, a, a very, you know, a violent second half of this episode, then that's okay. Uh, you can you can always come back when you're feeling a little a little more ready, or you know, just listen to ex episode sixty five and uh, see if you know you want to go back and give it another go. I I don't know. Um, it, it it's probably fine, but I'm just trying to be conscientious before i ramble too long uh because i have a tendency to do that i'm just gonna mention uh with no graceful segue uh that this week we are uh are brought to you by i buy direct because i am a glasses haver and i'm sure many of you are also glasses havers and glasses wearers and you gotta replace those things because they get all scratched up or broken or stepped on like your Murgis, yeah, Murgis? Burgess Meredith at the end of a Twilight Zone episode. I buy direct are an online eyewear retailer that manufactures their own line of fashionable frames at affordable prices. So you don't got to go into an eyeglasses store, which is not an experience that I super enjoy. So you can avoid the in-person awkwardness with free shipping on orders over $50 with code shipping free all one word just go to ibydirect.sjv.io/ppn that is e y e as in your eyes that you see with e y e by b u y direct.sjv.io/ 
SPPN. And get some good glasses on your face. You deserve it. We have another pocket note this week. You guessed it. It's from Molly to Albion Graves. It reads, Albion, update. I did my best to follow the voice. I was gonna do an audio recording, but the wind was howling on its own, so it was a lot of useless damned sound. Before I knew it, I was near where they found the dog. The wind was still carrying that voice, so I guess I just wandered? I kept wanting to call out back to it, but I couldn't muster the sound. I'm glad I went out there, though. I think the neighbor's dog got out again, because I found a similar-looking body out there. It was like it was skinned into a rug and left out. I contacted the police when I got home. They couldn't find it, and I got questioned a bunch, but they let me go. Sydney and I went to breakfast to calm me down. I had bacon and waffles. Signed, Molly. If you are interested in procuring a pocket note for yourself, you can go to pocketpodcastnetwork.com slash shop to uh, construct your own elaborate narrative or just say hi and get me to say it. I can say hi to anyone you want. I have that power. You can give me that power. Huge thanks on uh, for soundtrack assistance on this episode from Riley G on cello and six string tenor ukulele. Uh, Jason Kleitz, who not only played some bass, but helped sequence some other bass and get some good guitar sequencing done as well. Um, just great people offering some really awesome help on uh, these soundtrack pieces. And of course, Michael Bodalio, because I stole some of his guitar work from previous and put it back in. So he's on there on this one, too. So uh, all of you, thank you again for all of your help with getting this episode to sound like it does. And thank you, as always, to the Pocket Podcast Network for hosting our show, as well as other great shows, such as Cult Classics, which is about to do its annual Coltsmas special this year with a twist. Oh, boy. I don't know if I'm in a position to spoil that yet, but it's it's going to be a trip. It's going to get chaotic. Get ready for it. You're going to want to listen to cult classics over the next few weeks. It's going to be a good time. Uh, also, our newest show, Tia and Rio Attempt to Save the World and Themselves, which is a narrative drama. We have one of those on the network now, and that rules. And, I mean, you're probably aware of them because we did drop their first episode into our feed to celebrate the release of the new show around Halloween time. Uh, it seemed appropriate for spooky season because it is a horror show. Uh, so go check that out. I have given that a listen myself, and I think you are going to want to see where this story goes it's pretty interesting uh and i'll just tease it with the idea that uh you know life can be hell on earth and for a couple of young women that starts to become literal so uh go enjoy that spooky good time and you can also talk about how much you enjoy shows on the pocket podcast network on the pocket podcast discord server or our server for Green Mountain Mysteries, which links to that is in the description of the episode. 
we hang out and have finely curated memes by uh, wonderful folks like Darius. And we play Jackbox games. They've got a new party pack that's got a lot of fun games in it. And we've been having a good time with that. So uh, come on by and let, let us know what you think. How am I doing? I'm going to not carry this bit on any further. Uh, we're just going to get back to the episode. Oh, and also, um, yes, I know that Twitter is an absolute dumpster fire right now, uh, even more so than before. But if you, for some reason, do tweet about the show, we do appreciate it and would love for you to use the hashtag GMMcast. Um, there is still time to have an NPC named after you. Uh, if you are a new person to tweet about the show and, you know, help spread, uh, help spread word of mouth because that's the primary means by which we grow our audience. And we love you and appreciate you. Now, actually, back to the episode. Hi, I'm Brittany, and I have a bachelor's degree in film and television. And I'm Jessica, and I have a bachelor's degree in equine studies. What would happen if we put our heads together? We would come up with the new best worst horse movie. Like a movie where a horse is the best hard-boiled detective the city has ever seen. Or a movie where horses are fighting in the front lines in a space war. We're doing just that here at Colt Classics, a new show on the Pocket Podcast Network. Join us every other Monday for Good Horses, Bad Plots, and all the bad horse movies you never knew you needed in your life. Uh, you don't have to be okay if you are not. Uh, it's it is fine. You can be what you need to be. Uh, says the voice of Ladislav coming at you out of the darkness as he walks toward you. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I'm I'm way less concerned now. Uh, <laughs> hey, Ladislav. Uh, sh- um, howdy. <clears throat> Albion wipes his eyes. <laughs> Of all the angels and all the planet and all the <laughs> municipal stations in the world, he had to walk into mine. <laughs> you, uh, you got here early. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't quite the plan. Um, Voice of Marcus, uh, who is coming into view behind him, says, But not that early. Yeah, yeah how long, how long's it been? What time is it? Well, um, it is a couple of minutes before our duel needs to happen, 6.45 p.m., Oh, oh, motherfucker. Here it is, about 6.41. Yeah, um, we got pulled into the never-never, and a time must have dilated on us. Why am I not surprised? I should be surprised. Yeah, um, listen, Shadrach, uh, was, was just here. Uh, he ain't now, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's been a day. Um, what? What just happened? I think Des is gonna take Marcus and kind of pull him aside to talk to him quietly. Okay. Alvian's gonna go over to Lattis, Lattis and just be like, yeah, you would, um, wouldn't happen to have brought any sandwiches with you, would you? He, he just looks at you, um, and, uh, he, he gives you kind of a, a look up and down, uh, then he indicates the plastic bag that he's holding in his right hand. And just sort of gives it that little shake to show you that there's weight in it. Um, and uh, he reaches in and grabs something wrapped up in tinfoil and hands it to you and uh, just says, I know what you like. Babylonian beef, you are a goddamn saint. He he just shakes his head no. Um, as uh, the, the goat man 
the big, big goat man walks in behind him and enters this space with the satyr as well. Ah, howdy. Hi. Nice to see you again, Albion. Yep, how's it going, buckaroo? Is that... Okay. Um, I, I don't know necessarily all the idioms. Is that some sort of crack at me? Uh, no, it, it's just a fancy way of saying cowboy. And, uh, I know you ain't a cow, but... Well, so um, I'm from the South, okay? <laughs> south where? Also... South of the United States of America. Um, the, the big old goat man just puts a you-know hand with extremely strong grip on the satyr's shoulder, uh, and, uh, just says, He's from the South. That's all we need to know. Pat, pat. Uh, the, the shoulder pats that he does there, um, are significant enough that you, they, they cause a little bit of an echo in this space. Uh, this thing is frightfully strong. And, uh, he, he looks to, uh, he looks to the assembled folks here and says, well, we have our selected arbiter, our neutral party. We have the dual participants here, myself and Marcus Walbrook, squire to the night of summer. Now, where is your second? Um, Albion pulls out his phone and, uh, calls Sylvester. Well, as you're doing that, Sylvester walks into the space. Um, the 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 space down here just some of part of this part of the space under uh, under the more municipal plant just kind of opens. It just kind of opens up, um, and obviously the never never is behind it. And out walks the librarian with Roe, Sly, Warden Beaumont, and Warden Chaplin, holding each one of their hands. And walking gently into this space with the librarian uh, simply acknowledging the situation and saying, at the correct time, as stated. Oh, um, oh, you weren't kidding. I feel like I've already dialed. Darius, can you remind me what your ringtone is for Albion? Uh, it's hee <laughs> <laughs> So that echoes through the uh, the pilings. Oh, yeah, by the way, your phones have reception again. Yay. Because you're in the real world again. Albion hangs up after letting it play for a moment and just... <laughs> uh, I'm going to step aside. Uh, hey, Ro. Hey, hey, Sly. Uh, we just capped Shadrach, so uh, that's the talk we're going to have after this whole shenanigan. Aw, oh, man. Sorry, what? Uh, yeah, sh sh Shadrach's been dealt with. It's very complicated. We'll talk after the duel. I threw an elf off a cliff. You yeah, fucking what? He did that. Uh, so we've all been having nights, is what, I, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. The satyr uh, Seder just sort of chuckles a goatee chuckle and goes, Stuck up bastard probably deserved it. I mean, right? <laughs> we agree on something, finally. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Meanwhile, in a different corner of this, of this, uh, this space, Marcus has been pulled aside by Dez, and he just says, what? Okay, what the hell happened? She probably looks like an absolute wreck right now, because you know how, like, you could tell when a person's been crying, like, their nose is red and their eyes are puffy and, like, you know, their face is wet? She she looks like that right now. But she also kind of has this almost jubilant, giddy 
smile on her face at the same time, like almost manic at the same time. I think that's what prompted his question. Yeah. Reading, um, reading your expression. We ended up sent here from the Never Never, that weird crater thing. And Shadrach was here. Um, Abby and tried to intimidate and they they kind of had a dick measuring contest and Albion shot him a lot. Um, more than anyone could have really survived. Jesus and Christ, Albion. Well, good near, you know. Uh, but... Yeah, I do. Then um, I thought I would try a little bit of my Contrastari, the counterspell, because I just kind of thought... What if I just took whatever magic was keeping that body animated and, you know, unmagic it? And, uh... Hold on. You just glossed over the fact that he wasn't dead? No. He got right back up and was ready for more fighting. He's a necromancer. Yeah, okay. But typically, necromancers, well, they usually do that to other people and have some other external source. There are ways to have some sort of contingency kick in. I don't know. I'm not a necromancer, but this seems... I I know. I don't know anything about necromancy either. Right. But either way, um, I made a deal with, with Mr. Jack. Um, oh, no. Well, it provided me the power that I needed. And... Oh, it does. Not only is, not only is Shadrach gone, like gone, gone, but... So is Mr. Jack. I, I don't want to... I, I I know we had kind of talked a little bit at my house. I don't want to burden you. I know you need to get your head in the game for the duel, but um, does the name He Who Walks Within ring a bell at all? Because he doesn't walk within me anymore. He's gone. Marcus puts his hands on it on your shoulders and says... Don't speak any more of this right now. We're walking dangerously close to something we shouldn't be doing. But also, thank you. For what? And Marcus turns and says, I cannot participate in this duel. Marcus, what are you doing? Hold on. I cannot take part in this duel. I have a dear friend here who needs me right now. I'm aware that providing my duty of care to Desdemona Brown and what she has just suffered and what she needs right now means I will not be able to attend to both her and the matters of this duel. So in that case, I nominate my second to take my place while I resolve this matter. Oh, hmm? oh, oh, that's me. All right. <laughs> yeah, Sly, can you willing to pitch in? I mean, wasn't that the original plan anyway? He just puts his he just puts his fingers up to the bridge of his nose and just squeezes and like closes his eyes tight and is like, "You said the quiet part out loud." I know. I don't care anymore. Who cares? <laughs> We're already here. Let's fucking go. <laughs> There's decorum with the fate. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and uh, the big old goat man just looks at Marcus and goes, it's okay. I knew what you were going to pull. I had a feeling. Yeah, we all kind of did. It was uh, not the most subtle way of executing such a thing no choosing physical strength <laughs> yeah right well then i accept this substitution and i choose to remain cool 
Mr. Pansyson, do you accept? Ladislav just nods solemnly and kind of passes a gaze over to the librarian, who is also just standing there, silently looking on. Oh yeah, I forgot they're here. Huh. They didn't leave yet? Yeah, they have not left. This room has Ladislav, a satyr, a big-ass goat man, the four of you, Marcus Walbrook, the professor, and Marianne. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and one of you has to be Ginger now. Maybe it's Warden Chaplin, <sighs> who is also there, as is Warden Beaumont. Gasp. Beaumont uh, kind of hurriedly walks over to you, Sly, and uh, just like puts a hand on your shoulder and uh, comes in, comes in close and quiet, like speaks in a you know half voice. He's just like, "Are you, are you absolutely certain that you want to, to do this?" Yeah, you know he can rip you in half. A lot of things could have ripped me in half. What's one more at this fucking point? I wish I had your confidence in literally anything, but I don't want you to get killed here. You're my friend, Sly. I appreciate that, man. But, like, I should have died a long time ago. And I haven't. <sighs> okay. And it's either... <sighs> it's either a friend or me. He just sort of looks at you soberly and uh, just nods and uh, stands aside uh, and uh, clears the space so that a duel may begin. Ladislav explains that this is a contest of physical strength and that uh, in this, um, this contest will end when one party submits to the other and submission can be indicated in a number of ways. One of them, of course, being tapping, uh, the traditional tap method of saying I'm out. Um, if, uh, if one party remains non-responsive uh, and prone for or supine for a period of time, then that would determine that they are, by virtue of being unconscious, uh, have, have forfeited and have lost. Um, and... Uh, unfortunately, there is the possibility that this contest of strength could end when one of the two parties dies, uh, before they have a chance to actually submit and, uh, looks to, looks to you, Sly, and says, you accept these terms. Yeah. And he looks to the goat man and the goat man says, as do I. Ladislav just puts a hand uh, halfway between the distance between you two, a few feet apart uh, on either side, and raises the hand quickly as an indication uh, that you may now begin. The goat man is going to make the first move. Okay. He has a higher alertness than you do. So he is going to start by swinging a fist in your general direction. Oh no, a fist. Okay, uh, roll your fists against a, well, a fists of three. You rolled bad. I got a seven. Okay, um, you effortlessly see where this fist is coming. 
and you just, you're right out of the way. Whee! With, uh, with spin rules, you actually get an advantage on your next attack because you uh, dodged so effectively. So you, you're going to get a plus one on uh, your turn when you choose to do something. So this enormous, meaty, clawed fist just sort of balled up and swung into the space where your head should have been, but very quickly was not. So uh, as you you are going to probably take the opportunity of him being slightly off balance from throwing a haymaker that would have potentially, you know, crushed your skull. Um, and you get to act. So what are you doing on your turn? Uh, well, I guess since I'm on his, I'm on by his side, I am probably going to kick him in the side of his head. Okay. Wait, how he tall is he? like eight feet tall. I will remind you. All right. Then I shall settle for a nice kick to the back of his leg. Okay. Nice low kick. All right. Yeah, nice little low kick. Give me that. Give me that kick. Mr. Sciatic Nerve, our friend we all know and love. (laughs) Six. Ooh, all right. So he is going to meet that unless you want to drop a fate point in. Yes. (laughs) Okay, what are you you spending this Uh, fate point on? Nobody likes wizards because this goat is magic bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you with your. Oh, wait. You wait. You got a plus extra plus one. Oh, yeah. Never mind. um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. So you you actually beat him. Protected. Protected. You beat him by one. (laughs) (laughs) I keep the fate point. It's mine. It's mine. (laughs) I need it. You took my Uh, food. (laughs) so okay you actually because of uh using the fact that he's a little off balance and is still you know coming out of the swing you get a kick into the back of the goat man's leg uh difference of one i believe you're rocking uh weapons rating two because of your soccer kicks yeah so okay thonk that puts through a uh three stress hit on the goat man um and uh, you are wearing your iron kickers, so he feels it. The goat man sort of turns turns away uh, and now back to you uh, and just goes, all right, nice kick. And then proceeds to, uh, with speed that you should not see from something this large, throws a kick right back at you. Oh. This is a goat roundhouse. Oh which I will remind you has a hoofed foot at the bottom and those are sharp. Oh dear. (laughs) Okay. So that is going to be a five. Okay. Six again. Damn. All right. (laughs) Not enough to get you an advantage on next time, but you definitely are able to successfully dodge out of the way of this hoofed roundhouse kick. Oh fuck. Uh, Yeah. As uh, the, the, the sharp hoof just sort of passes right above your face, I presume, as you limbo your way out of this. Um, and yeah, it, you know that that would have really done something to you. That could have fucked you right up immediately. So um, you get the distinct impression that that first punch didn't really think was going to hit you anyway. Mm. So you, you feel kind of like uh, he's doing a bit like... Um, Andre the Giant in 
uh, the Princess Bride. Yeah. <laughs> kind of holding back at, at the start. And then this happened as his second move, and you're not sure if he's still holding back or not. It's your turn. Uh, I want to move back a bit and gauge yep. distance. I'm going to be a little cautious. Absolutely. You can freely do that. You're going to be in the same zone um, as, yeah. as him, probably. So that's totally fine. Yeah, so I'm going to do that. Good flavor. All right. So are you going to make an offensive maneuver here, or are you just going to position yourself and sort of maneuver to be on the defensive? Uh, I think I'm going to maneuver to be on the defensive. I'm going to dance a circle around him. Okay. So taking what I believe is the total defense action, you're going to get a plus two against his next attack on you. Okie dokie. So... Yeah, so you're just going to dance around the goat man, and the goat man knows, okay, we're both we're both coming in kind of light here. We're, neither of us are starting off with our strongest stuff. So, all right, he is going to reach toward you with one of those big meaty hands, uh, and it comes at you open, grasping. It looks like he's trying to grab you. Ah, oh, fuck. Mm. Okay. So you're rolling against a five. Okay. I got an eight. Okay. Uh, yes. And I'm going to say that your next uh, move against this guy is going to be at another plus one from spin because the hand reaches out for you, trying to grab some meaty part of you and in that crushing fist. But you are able to step out of the way and possibly inside into danger with this guy. Is that what you're doing? Yep, I am going to okay. deliver a roundhouse to his ribs. Oof! And that's going to be like a leaping roundhouse, because them ribs are a little high. Yep. Okay, give it to me, buddy. So give me that roll. So I got a plus one in addition to my usual five fist, right? Correct, okay. because you dodged so good. Okie doke. Six. Ooh, okay. This time, he actually makes a seven. Okay, so now I want to use the fate point. <laughs> same fate point as before same yeah, justification yeah, yeah. <laughs> I accept it immediately alright rib kick to this guy so boom uh, you jump inside of his attempt to grab you and leap up and spin your foot into the goat man's ribs so the goat man since this is iron uh, takes a couple steps back from you and you deliver a, that's weapon two with that. So that's another three stress hit Yay. Uh, that actually comes through. And he just sort of steps a few paces back from you and uh, goes, not bad, not bad at all. And he lowers his head and charges toward you with frightening speed. He is a goat attempting to ram you. Oh, great. Wait, shouldn't the ram be? Never mind. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. All right, I won't. So, <laughs> so just my regular five this time. Okay. Yep. Um. Th yes. So his his attempt at you is a five also. Okay. Uh, actually, I forgot when he was doing this particular move because of his speed, uh, that bumps it up to a seven. Okay. So I'm. Uh, I, I rolled a nine. Damn, dude! I'm I'm sorry. All right. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You're able to get out of the way. All right. Fair enough. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you 
you make it out of the way of this head down charge and uh, you are able to react. It looks like he's wised up to the fact that if he puts himself off balance, you're going to take advantage of it. So he uses that unnatural speed to spin right back around and be ready for whatever you're about to do Shit. when he knows he's going to miss. Okay. So what's up now? Is he charging at me again? He is not because he doesn't have, uh, you don't know what he's going to do next because you are responding to the initial charge and him turning back toward you. Hmm. Uh, is there anything I can use as a weapon lying around or no, the place is clear? Unfortunately, it is established that you pretty much cleared the place of all of your fun iron traps. Oh, dang so, it. All right, so that's not going to I know, right? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to make an improvised weapon, I guess. All right, what do you do? I am going to try to kick his horn off. Okay, that's a hell of a maneuver you're attempting. Um, Make it. I, yeah, I'll say that because he had to sort of turn around to get uh, back face in you so that he wasn't at a disadvantage. Yeah, his center of gravity is still low. He's still, you know, partially crouched down. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to necessarily expect this to happen, so he's not at a disadvantage, but boy howdy. All right, give me that kick. Okie doke. I got a seven. Amazing. Okay, well, um, that's a five. (laughs) So you're going to land your iron kicker booted foot on this uh, part of this guy's horn and you're going to break some of that horn right off. Now, the problem here mm-hmm. is that the goat man knows some of your same tricks. No. <laughs> and is going to step into this blow and immediately counter. Fuck. And go for a grab since you are now in close proximity, close quarters. Yeah, the disadvantage of kicking. <laughs> it is the disadvantage of kicking. So... Uh, you have to roll against a nine. Oh, fuck. I got an eight. So... Okay. I'm gonna use a fate point. Alright, what fate point are you going to use to avoid being grabbed? One force drama. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Because you just... Because you just kicked the guy... You just kicked the goat man's horn, and that's gonna put him off off balance, you think? Yeah, this is pretty dramatic. And blunt. It is. It is both of those things. So, yep. He does not get a grip on you and uh you you have knocked a bit of horn off and um he he roars and it fills the space here uh it's it's an uncomfortable reverberation but uh it's your go again because he used the reaction the same way you do so he forfeited his next turn you're up where's the horn broken piece uh the horn you can it's in the same zone as you you can get it i'm gonna go get it this if you do that and attack your attack's gonna be at a minus one for a supplemental because you did have to go retrieve that okay all right so i need to roll for make that roll buddy okay so i'm just rolling for both of these right i don't have to roll for getting the horn and going back no okay you don't that you can do just because but it makes your attack at a minus minus one okay so i got a three okay uh, he got a six defense, Shit. <laughs> and uh, that spins things kind of nicely in his favor. He's he's done toying with you. You've you've proved yourself a much more serious threat than even he had anticipated, 
and much craftier than he had thought you would be. So, he is going to... You step into the... Oh, he doesn't have to step into the low because he missed. He's just going to take that advantage he has, and he's going to... Uh, he's going to attempt to get a paw on you again and grab you. Um, and uh, here we go. He's attempting to basically initiate a grapple. Okay. Uh, go against a nine. Yeah, fuck. I got a six. <laughs> okay. Um, if you Where were these just... rolls when you were fighting a vampire? <laughs> yeah. If you if you just if you just accept this, then he is going to get a hand on you. Yeah, accept this. Okay. The goat man gets his hand on you, and um, he is squeezing the supplemental to just squeeze and uh, basically attempt to harm you simply by having you in his hands is now occurring. Uh, this is going to be might versus endurance. Shit. So, yeah, let's roll that might. Okay, fortunately, he did not roll well this time, so he only got a five. I got a four, but I'm going to use a fate point. Okay, you're going to use a fate point to power through a a squeeze from a, a grip that uh, could crush bones if it needed to, but I guess he's he's struggling a little bit because uh, he did not land that very very cleanly. Yeah. So, which fate point are you thrown at? Uh, three-legged horse, because I'm gonna feel like one right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically this is you just deciding like not to like just sort of like tough it out and. Uh, brace yourself and just sort of ignore what pain might be coming your way to keep going yeah but i also okay oh can i attack now or no i'm just resisting um at, at this point you can now roll an attack against him because he has you in a grip yeah um and that's what he did on his turn and it started to squeeze and it's very, it's extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. But is, you can, you can react. This is kind of my plan. I am going to take the broken horn and I'm going to stab it into his ribs. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say that a move like that is less about doing immediate physical harm and more about inflicting a wound. Yep. So we're going to, we're going to give that... We're going to make that a maneuver. Okay. We're going to make that a fist's maneuver. All right. Let's go, baby. Okay. So I'm using harm assist since it's an improvised weapon. Yeah. So I got a seven. Oh, okay. All right. Um, he, he landed uh, himself at a six. Oof. So you are able to shove that in there um it looks it looks like yeah you shit shove that bit of horn into his ribs you can have this um, back <laughs> so that goes in there and you can tell that that's gonna cause some damage um immediately he doesn't seem too bothered by it but you both know that that's gonna start causing some problems soon especially since he's going to keep fighting and moving around so uh okay he is going to do two things the first 
is he is going to lift you up off of the ground. Oh, shit. And he is going to spin a half turn, and he is going to throw you against one of the walls in this uh, in this room. So let's go, baby. This is time for you to, uh, I think, roll in athletics because you're just kind of ragdolling and I don't think Fist is going to nah. really help you against the wall. No, nah, Fist ain't going to help. <laughs> it's athletics. So, time. yeah. And let's get that might roll in to see how hard you've been flung. Jesus Christ. Okay, um, you have been flung at the wall with a force of a nine. Oh, great. I rolled a four. All right. So um, that is going to be five physical stress coming your way, which would force you to take a consequence. And uh, yeah, you're going to you're going to go right ahead and do that. Or what are we doing? I mean, it's a I can't fake. I mean, you can fate point to give me if you can justify how you would be able to keep yourself from taking as much harm. Honestly, just like it's going to sound stupid, curling into a ball, really, <laughs> or managing to. Okay. Um. So just so that you don't hit with like individual parts that are more prone to breaking. Yeah, like minimizing the force of the blow. It's like why you always keep your chin tucked into your chest and stuff. So right now I'm just gonna. I'm just trying to tuck and roll at this point. <laughs> I'm going to hit the wall, but you know, yeah. Spread the force out around so that you don't take as much damage. Okay. Um, and which of your aspects justifies this? Hmm. I guess aim low, then go high. Because, well, I was... The goat's a low piece of shit, and I'm going pretty high. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. You know what? Fuck it. Give me the fate point. You take three stress physical. Oh, fuck. And you, yeah, you, uh, you slam against the wall. You're able to curl yourself up and uh, spread out some, the impact across you so that nothing breaks immediately. Um, you, the wind gets knocked out of you momentarily. And uh, yeah, now you, you are now across the room from the goat man who you can tell is going to be coming toward you. You're a zone away at at the moment. He threw you hard. So if you want to get back into the fight with the goat man, it's going to take uh, sprinting across a zone. All right. So I'm going <clears> to... <throat> oh, fuck. Get up. <clears throat> I guess I'm just going to head right over. <laughs> okay. Uh, give me that athletics roll to sprint across the zone. Okay. <laughs> Not like you're going to fail. I got a one. So yeah, I failed. Yeah, you made it. Oh, okay, cool. Never mind. <laughs> it, it's one to cross a distance of one zone. Okay. You did it. Yay. So whatever you're going to do next, if you're going to do something as a supplemental uh, for the sprinting as a supplemental action, so <sighs> it's going to be at a minus one. What are you up to? Because well, I'm just going to fling my foot into his uh, the horn in his ribs. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah, trying to trying to use the thing that you have put on him. Yeah, All right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. That makes, honestly, makes perfect sense to me. Yay. Let's do it. All righty. Roll that attack. I got a three. Okay. He got an eight. Fuck. He reaches out and puts his hands in front of that spot where he knows he is vulnerable, grabs your iron kickers, 
which are not pleasant for him to be holding. Uh, and uh, he he just he just says, you're going to have to be faster than that as he steps. Uh, it, it goes to uh, pick you back up from your disadvantaged position uh, and grab you by the leg. Shit. So um, that is an eight that you are defending against. Okay. And I'm going to say that you are off balance from doing a trying to kick this guy. So you're at a minus two here from the very specific move you tried to do. Oh, boy. Uh, I got a five. <laughs> okay, so difference of three currently means he's going to grab you by the leg. Okay. All uh, right, if you accept that. But can I fate point at this point? Because I've used every aspect. You can use your aspects multiple times. What? Figured this out like 68 yeah. episodes later or whatever we're on. <laughs> Yeah, not, not on the same action, but you can use your same strength of character to justify it on different rounds for different reasons. All right, I want to use blunt force drama. How how does that uh, relate to you uh, escaping from him, just, like, holding on to that foot of yours? Well, it's going to be pretty dramatic once he fucking throws me. It is. It is. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll eat your fate point. Uh, that's what, the fifth one I've taken? Yes. Okay. God, the bang. How many of those do you have left? Four. Wow. I'm going to throw Okay. <laughs> so, amazing. Uh, so that puts you to a seven. He got an eight. Okay. Uh, then I guess nobody... No, 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 I don't want to use that one yet. I'm going to use three-legged horse, because he's got me by my leg. It's a good thing it's not the middle leg. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> I hate that I'm accepting that explanation. <laughs> but I am. You're a good man, Mr. Mike. Thank you. I feel like Charlie Brown for trying to fight you sometimes. Good grief. All right. Yeah. So uh, you are able to, you remember in that you have a flash of insight, like, oh yeah, this boot got iron on it. He don't like touching iron. Uh, I think you're going to squirm and use the fact that his grip here sucks to hold to force your foot back out somehow you wrench your foot free just through uh a, a quick motion and you are able to uh not get immediately just grabbed by the foot and be very much helpless um but uh you are now in a position where it's your turn to act and uh you're back in close range with this guy and he is not messing around okay so normal roll this time. Yeah, you can try. You can try to get in there and get that, you know, drive that thing in again. I mean, it wouldn't even necessarily need to be a kick at this point. Yeah. Hmm. Just saying that you have options. That's true. But whichever option it is, I'd like to know what it is right now. OK, I'm a kick off his other horn. Jesus Christ. OK, let's go for it. Yeah. Woo! Hornless freak. OK, hornless freak. Hornless freak. I got Hornless a seven. Freak. <laughs> Jeez, um, crow. Okay, man. He got a six, so you kick a horn off of the goat. Boop. Um, yep. Okay. Great. <laughs> the goat man is furious. You you hear a deafening bleating roar. Um, and I am going to need you to roll me a discipline roll against this in just a moment. 
Okay. Uh, so this is going to be a maneuver targeting you at a five, and you must roll discipline against it because he is just unleashing this horrible deafening roar. Ooh, is this magic? Right your face. This is... This is kind of magic. Okay, so can I use today Ancient Day Spellcakes, a thing I never get to use except for like maybe once? I I will let you use it. Yay! Freaking, freaking wizard dice. Yay, more dice. Give me that defense, give me that, give me that discipline roll, baby. Yay, more dice. I got a six. Okay. It does not cause you to be shaken. It does not uh, cause you to lose any focus. He does not gain any advantage on you by having done this. Um, you done booing you just... like a bitch, Billy? Um, ooh, you just pissed him off even more. So with the supplemental uh, action rules, he's going to do this next one out of minus one. And uh, here we go. Okay, he is attempting to, given your close proximity, just squeeze you like wrap both arms around you and bring you in that's a 10 oh, <laughs> because you done invoked his ire uh, yeah i got a four <laughs> all right so that means that the maneuver passes successfully um he you can feel that you have been pulled in close and that you could act on that bit of horn if you wanted yes um but uh Right now, you are also restricted by being grapple, so have fun. Uh, it's not going to be too bad for what I assume you're about to do. What are you about to do? I'm going to just put my hand, try to get my hand on that horn that's in his chest and just, you know, just wrench the fuck out of it, honestly. Yep, that's that's understandable. Um, you're Okay, I think the grapple offset here is going to mitigate itself because you're both going to be a little hindered in your attempts to do this so we're just going to do straight roll against roll okay so am i just rolling 4d um, or am i doing this? uh yes okay, 4D. Uh, i think yeah i think you're just gonna do i think this would be a fist to try to get that to happen okay so go for it hey fist i got a seven okay uh he did not beat that yay so you're able to twist that in uh and the goat man roars a little harder, uh, this time clearly in pain. You like that fucker? And uh, you you can feel your hand getting wet. You've dug it in to a point where you know that this is going to be doing harm every round. I will give you that. He, he He's going to be taking one stress from this every single round. And once you fill a bubble, you got to go up to the next one. Yay. So, all right. Now, he's just going to squeeze. Lovely. He has you in a full bear hug. So that's a plus two. He is pissed off and using his uh, frightful might. So he is, oh my god. Uh, that's that's an incredible roll. Um He's attempting to deal you overwhelming physical harm by squeezing you as hard as humanly possible, inhumanly possible. Uh, so adding that to that to that to that to that makes... That is 16. Yeah, I rolled a 4. I Yeah, I rolled plus 4. I know, I rolled it in. Um, yeah, for endurance, I mean, I rolled a 4. 
Yes. You can take consequences to knock that down okay. to a point where you will not immediately be taken out. Okay. Um, remember, a mild is two, a medium is four, a severe is six, and an extreme, which replaces an aspect on your sheet, gets rid of eight, but it keeps you in the scene. Mm. Or at least it might, because it would take eight off of this hit. Mm, I guess extreme. Okay. So that takes eight off of that. Difference is now four. Fuck. You'll be taking four, a four stress hit. Do you actually have the ability to take a four stress hit? Uh, it says physical four, so is that a yet? So you do. Okay. Yep. So you, yeah, that would fill your four slot and your three slot is also filled. Uh, so he is going to squeeze you as forcefully as he can. And, um, your ribs, just a bunch of them just break. <laughs> just, just multiple breaks up, up and down your torso, uh, across diff different ribs. Um, so, yeah, you are, you feel as though you are lucky that your sternum did not just crack in half. But you can feel that you are at the point that you, um, if he keeps gripping you like this, both of your arms are about to leave their sockets, and more ribs will break, and you will probably stop breathing. It is your turn to act. I am going to take my blood-soaked hand and pretty much jam it into his fucking eye. Okay. I, I will let you try that. You are attempting to blind him partially and uh, do a really, really nasty thing uh, as the scout man. So let's do it. Give me that fist roll. Seven. What do we get? Seven. Holy shit. I rolled low. Um, I'm going to assume that you are involuntarily screaming in pain yep. given what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And despite the fact that you are that restrained, I think at this moment, I think you might even just let that arm displace, get get actually displaced, that you can now wiggle it free. And you wrench it up and just get him in the eye. This goat now has one eye, and he still has a death grip on you. <laughs> So uh, the goat, the goat man is going to release, uh, just release that death grip because of the horrible pain of just you reaching in and taking his eye. And as he is releasing you, his leg swiftly comes up between your legs and kicks you away. So, let's do that. He is absolutely going to freely tag your extreme. Oh boy. Uh, for this wild, half-blind uh, kick. That's a low blow, Raph. <laughs> it is a low blow. Raph, it's a low blow. I've done nothing but low blows so, this entire time. <laughs> so, uh, with the plus eight, uh, that is going to come out to a 12. Yeah, I rolled a three. 
Okay, you you have the ability to tag aspects to mitigate some of this, and you have the ability to take consequences as well. Uh, guess I will tag three-legged horse, because... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You you've been through mortal da- you've been through basically mortal injury before. Yep. This is unsurprised. This is somehow not unfamiliar territory to you. Oh, I can tag life is just a ride because I'm going flying. Wee. You sure can. Uh, nobody likes wizards because wizards. I'm just using whatever fate points I got left at this point. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. nobody likes wizards because I mean, look look at look at look at this bullshit right here. <laughs> Yeah, and blunt force drama, cause I mean, you know, kicks, flying. We, I'm in a lot of pain right now. <laughs> yep, adrenaline's great, and, but uh, that fucker wears off, and then you're just like, where the fuck did you go? <laughs> yeah. So that brings you up to an eleven, which means that, amazingly, this is a one stress hit, as you are flung away from this goat man by a sloppy angry kick and uh you are now on the ground and the goat man who has kicked you away screams yield what do you do it's your turn no (laughs) no what did you just say, little mortal? No. You <laughs> hornless. <laughs> what I... He is going to... Uh, I- I'm going to say for purposes of drama that the goat man is going to walk over to you and he is going to set one of his hooves in the center of your back. This immediately sends a wave of pain through your body as you have many broken ribs. Ah! Uh, and he uh, he just says, you, you can't stand. You can't fight. You have to yield. You can suck my 30-foot black dick. <laughs> the goat man steps back off of you do you stand up very very slowly okay and stumbling a bunch (laughs) the goat man is incredulous just just liquid running down one side of his face and pain just and dripping out from his gut and he he puts a hand on your your uh, your your left arm he takes his right hand puts it on the top of your left arm and he just starts turning it and this is the one arm that you've got left that is not currently dislocated and he is just turning it so that it will dislocate. You know that it will if he keeps going. Uh, I'm going to need you to make me an endurance roll uh, to not black out. And your target is 
Wait, shouldn't he have gotten a turn there? This is drama, buddy. I was gonna <clears throat> ask, instead of an endurance roll, can I make a fist roll? You may. I'm gonna throw one last kick at that fucking hole. At his fucking ribs. Okay. Actually, you know what? Fuck that. I'm gonna throw one last kick at his fucking dick. All right, you're gonna you're gonna go for the low blow. Fuck it, why not? All I'm right. doing that all night. <laughs> Roll it. You need to beat a five. Yay. Actually, no, sorry, a, a four. A four. Yeah, yeah. I just recalculated and realized. Nope, that was actually four. I rolled an eight. Are you free tacking the extreme consequence you got from ripping out his eye? I'm um, kicking him in the balls. So. Yeah. This you is can. this is this is sloppy. This is just. Defiant. Like, fuck it, you can have my arm. I'm taking his nuts. You you kick this goat man between the legs. You want my arm? You can have it. In exchange, I'll take your fucking balls! And you feel your tendons starting to crack. <sighs> and you, you just look, he's looking down at you, just breathless and in pain from what you've just done. Because it hurt a lot. He is currently bleeding. And um, you you feel that your arm is about to basically actually break. And uh, instead, the goat man just reaches down and takes the horn out of his own gut and drops it. And looks down at you and says, You will die before you yield, won't you? Yeah, probably. He is going to give you one one last one last pat on the shoulder, the one that he just stopped twisting. It hurts horribly. Um because your torso is quite very bad in the moment, yeah. uh, obviously. Um, but yeah, he just goes and pats that and uh, and says, you have an honorable nature about you that even I, in my bullheadedness, <laughs> stubbornness, <laughs> envy, uh, and uh, he just kind of knees you in the gut. <laughs> um, so we're going to have you roll against something here because he is doing a maneuver. Uh, that is a that is a five. Right. So I'm rolling endurance, I guess. Um, you're rolling. This is a maneuver. So you're going to this is kind of an unexpected thing. This one, you're going to be rolling athletics. Oh, fine. I got a two. Okay, so the maneuver is successful, and he just goes, <laughs> and uh, when he does, you cough up blood. <laughs> you know that you are both bleeding internally. Yep. And the goat man just looks at you and says, if you do not submit now, you will die, and you are willing to put your friends through that pain. <sighs> yeah. Do you, Sylvester Cooper Smith, yield? I'm going to spit in his face and then say, yeah, I yield. Uh, 
he takes the spit in the face and says, That is not the way that someone yields. Oh. Then I guess I... I will ask you... Then I guess I didn't. I'll ask you again. Very well. Your former... Your former admission of defeat shall be seen as sarcasm. Yeah, I've got a lot of that. And you refuse to yield. Uh, yep. You first. The goat man is taken aback by that statement. And then despite the grievous injury and you, by the way, hack up a little more blood because internal bleeding, it sucks. <laughs> oh, fuck. He sees you standing there, standing, still, and just says, I yield this fight. Yeah, you do. He will only submit in death, and I have no intention of killing this man. Simply to kill Marcus Walbrook. I will not cause unnecessary death towards achieving my goals and aims. It is not my nature. Cool. Can I go to sleep now? You may. Thanks. Join me as the Goatman kneels down and the satyr walks up behind him and swiftly removes his head with a sword. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.